Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I want to, I want to start something new tonight. Let's, let's pray before we do it. And did you come expecting anything at all tonight? Well, for all eight of you, I, would, I, I am, I'm excited. You know, I, the only reason I, I say that is this. It's easy to sit down, especially if you come for a while, it's easy to sit down and go into just kind of neutral mode. And you just kind of sit down and go, well, hope he's got something. And it would benefit you and me if when we sit down together that you come and, and you just say, Lord, thank you. Because a lot of us have issues and things we're dealing with. Lord, thank you that you can speak through him. Thank you that you can use him to speak into my heart things I don't know, things I need reaffirmed, things I need to, to hear again. And so it, it's good for you to believe that because then that brings an expectation. And surprisingly enough, and I know it's hard to, a lot of times for people to understand, you thought, well, preachers just preach, that's what they do. True, but... It's, it's a lot easier when the audience is receptive. And if there's a receptivity, it, there's a lot more of a flow. And a lot of times, and you know this, especially on Wednesday nights, I'll go off on areas I never even tended to get into. And I really believe that's the Holy Spirit trying to speak to somebody and deal with things, things here. So this is a dynamic thing. And so we want to be able to stay. It's, it's not just static. Yeah, I've got notes, but you know on Wednesday night, I don't always go by them. And so that can be good, <laughs> can be. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. This is a good time. It's an important time. Father, thank you that we will never regret time we spent honoring you. And so, Lord, we thank you. I ask you to speak through me to boldly, clearly, accurately. And Father, that our hearts are open. Show us things we hadn't seen before. Reveal to us your word. Reveal to us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we will look back on these days 10,000 years from now and rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I, uh, I started wearing glasses in the third grade. I hated it, but the teacher said, you can't send a note home. said, Alan didn't seem to see the board. He's squinting, not doing well in reading. And so my parents took me, we had my eyes checked, sure enough, I'm nearsighted. I got to, had to get glasses. Now we're talking many moons ago. And the only glasses they had for nine-year-old kids, if everybody remembers it, you either got black frame glasses, or if you were very progressive, you got like dark glasses with like light underneath. It's like you had two choices, that's it. And I started wearing glasses. Now it upgraded my ability to see, but I hated wearing them because, you know, you got called four eyes and no one wants to wear glasses in the third grade. When I was 16, Bosch and Lom had come out with soft contact lenses and I, I nabbed them. And so for the first time I'm wearing contact lenses, love that, and that was a game changer. And it was an upgrade over glasses. So as we went along, I wore contacts for years and uh, in my 40s, I was talking with my optometrist and I said, you know, I said, my eyes are getting kind of tired at night because if the light's not good, 
I can't see real well. He said, how old are you? I said, 44. He said, welcome to readers. <laughs> and so for the, I had to get readers. And for those of you who understand readers, for those of you who are looking at me and laughing, I, I just want you to know, I wouldn't sow those seeds because your day is coming. <laughs> you say, well, I'm going to believe I never have to wear them. Well, go ahead. Just, 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 just go ahead and do that. Obviously, I missed it on that. But, but if, you, if you have readers, you ever notice, you got them all over the house. And you have them in the car, you better keep some readers around because you're going to hit a situation where you can't see the menu on, at the restaurant. And you can't see the bill. So you could write out a huge tip that you never meant to because you can't see. So you got readers all over the place. But about, about 17 years ago, I had LASIK surgery. I'm like, glory to God. They just cut these little slits in my eyes, which was not a really great thought. But it didn't bother. They said, well, we can give you Valium. I'm like, I'm, I haven't done drugs for years. No need to start now. So they, they dead my eyes. They, they did this thing. And they gave me monovision. I had like monovision eyes. So my farsight wasn't so great, but I could read without readers. I was like, hallelujah. That was a huge upgrade. I say, well, where are you now? LASIK does not last forever. We're back to readers all over the house. And, and so they're there. So what's this got to do with anything? All those changes I made were upgrades in my vision, my ability to see. I want to do a series. I'm going to spend some time on this, on upgrading your vision. Now, I'm not talking about you getting LASIK surgery. I'm talking about how you see things. How you see how you perceive. Now, whenever you talk about vision, sometimes people immediately want to check out and they go, Alan, I'm not a visionary. And when we think of visionary, we think of people like Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. These are people who had uh, Steve Jobs, huge vision. They saw something that no one else saw and it obviously made them all rich and in interesting people, but rich. Uh, but they had a vision. You say, well, I don't have a vision like that. I'm not a visionary person. I'm just a regular person. Everyone has a vision. Everyone has a way of seeing things. Everyone has a way of perception. The key is, is how is yours? And so we're going to talk about recognizing how your vision is and then also how to change it. And this is where it gets good. Because maybe you, you may have had a negative vision, but thank God, and maybe how you see the world, how you see God, how you see yourself, maybe that's been negative. That can change. And wherever you are, you can upgrade. Amen. I don't care where you are. Say, oh, I got a great vision. You can upgrade it. In 1954, which no, I was not around then, the man Roger Bannister was an Englishman, 25-year-old Englishman who did something that had never been done before. Anybody remember what that is? Four-minute mile. No one had ever run a mile in less than four minutes. And here's something interesting. Science said it could not be done. The doctors encouraged him before he was, said he was going to run for this four-minute mile. Doctors, some doctors warned him not to do it because they said it was physically impossible for a human being to run a four minute, less than four-minute mile and that your heart would burst. They told him, don't do it. Don't, don't attempt this. Your heart would burst, which is an interesting note about science. Science 
is always changing. So I love science. I appreciate it. I appreciate the advancements we've made. But we've made advancements in science because science is not perfect. It's changing. Science is great, but science is not God. And science is not my God. And so, I, you know, like I said, I appreciate science, appreciate technology. It's not God. Good for humanity, but a lousy God. So they said, Roger Bannister, you can't do it. 1954, he did it. Three minutes, 59 seconds. Ran it, collapsed when he was over, but he recovered. And uh, he was a medical student, very bright young man. But here's what's interesting. Four years after Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, 20 other people broke the four-minute mile. And today, over 1,500 people have broken the four-minute mile. You say, well, what happened? Did, did, did all, these, all, all of a sudden we just get a lot stronger? No, all of a sudden people's vision changed. And what they saw as being possible and what they saw as being realistic when Roger Bannister did it, it just took the barriers down. And now people are like, oh, we can do this. In fact, I think we've even had some high schoolers who've broken the four-minute mile. So this is, is something where, again, it's not that it, no, run, no different running shoes. It's, it's a function of people having a different vision. So a lot of times we're going we're gonna to realize, and what we come to realize is, our vision, how we see things, is limiting. Jesus asked his disciples one time, he asked them a very important question. He said, what do men say? Let's look at this. Let's look at this. And Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? So Jesus really was asking a question. He says, in essence, he's saying, how do people see me? And I thought their answers are kind of weird. John the Baptist. We say, well, why would that be weird? Because John the Baptist was dead. They beheaded him. Everyone they mentioned was dead. Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and some of the other, trans, uh, other gospels talk about, they thought he was one of the other prophets come back from the dead. And so their whole vision of Jesus was he's nothing, nothing realistic like, oh, he, he's an amazing prophet. Now they thought he was a prophet come back from the dead or he was John the Baptist risen from the dead. But Jesus asked another question. He said, who do you say that I am? How do you see me? And Peter had the best answer. Look at Peter's answer. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter had a revelation. He saw Jesus differently. How many of you know that still applies today? If you went down the street and in Conroe, you stop people in the street and say, who is Jesus? You get a lot of different answers. Some people would say, well, he's, he was a good man, good moral teacher. He was, and then you hear people say, he was the son of God. Who, who do you say 
that he is. See, if you ask me, I can, well, I can give you a laundry list of who he is. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who will rule over the nations. He is the one who is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the ever-living Son of God and the risen Savior from the dead. He is the one who will rule the nations with a, with a rod of iron. He is. He's it. And he's my Lord and my Savior. Well, someone else might go, well, wow, I, 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 don't, I don't see Jesus that way. Yeah, but how you see him means how do you receive him? And aren't you glad for those of us who can say, I've seen him as my Savior. I've seen him as the one who was crucified and God raised from the dead for my forgiveness of sins. Aren't you glad that you've had that revelation, that you've seen that? because it changed things in your life. What we see changes things. But what about the challenge of when we see the wrong thing? When our perspective is the wrong thing? In, um, in the book of Numbers, there's, a, there's probably one of the most classic stories of the same scenario in two different visions. The nation of Israel had come out of Egypt. They had been slaves for over 400 years. And God miraculously delivered them out. He used Moses. He got them out of Egypt. He delivered them through, through many miracles. He brought them through the desert. And they'd come right to the edge of the land that God had promised. And God said, I'm giving you guys this land. This is going to be a good land. It flows with milk and honey. And so the people, there's over a million people. They have come. They're getting ready to go in. And, and they sent in 12 spies. They said, we need you to go check the land out and come back and tell us. I really believe the idea was to come back and tell them how good the land was and the people are going to be fired up. So they sent 12. All of them were leaders. All of them were leaders because they have influence. So they sent the ones with the influence, the ones of the different tribes. And they're like, so they sent them in. And let's, 10 of them came back with this vision. The men who had gone up with him, with Caleb, said, we are not able, this one I want you to catch right here. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. When they came back after 40 days, the men began to give a report and they said, this is the land. And they said, initially, it's a good land. Here's some of the fruit. They brought some fruit out and they looked and said, here's the fruit. It's a good land. And then they began to say, but we can't do it. They said, we can't do it because the people are stronger than we are. So they said, this is a land, this is a hard land. And you go into this land, this is a dog-eat-dog land. This is a land that devours its inhabitants. So they're saying this. They're saying, here's the, here's the problem. We saw the people. They're stronger than we are. We can't do this. We're weaker. And then they said something very interesting. They said, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Isn't it interesting that the way you see yourself is how you think other people see you. They saw themselves as weak and as grasshoppers 
and is unable to do it. But there was another report. Two guys who went with them saw the same land, same scenario, same people, but they had something completely different. Look at here the first one. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Let's stop right there. Caleb had to quiet the people because the, the 10 guys that said, we saw the Hittites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Terezites and the Terabites and Termites and there's a lot of ites in there. <laughs> and the people got all upset. And Caleb quieted, he said, he said let's, go up one, let, let's go right now, let's go get it. So you, you got 10 people saying, we're too weak. And then you got Caleb saying, let's go get it. And then when, when the, a little bit later, let's go to the next verse. A little bit later, you hear Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, two guys. Man, the people were talking about not going, and they tore their clothes. They were so upset. They're like, guys, let's go get this. We can do this. And, and so they're so upset, they about tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. We, we would say piece of cake. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Like what? Did these guys go to a different land? Did they go to the land of the little people? Or did they, they saw the same land. What was the difference? One had a vision that says, I see all this problem and it's too big for me. The other one had a vision that said, we can do this. We can do it. Let's go at once and get it. And then they begin to say, man, this is a good land. It flows with milk and honey. Milk and honey evidently was, was something that, that, that exhibited abundance and it's a, it's a rich land. This is a good land. We can do this. We can get this. Don't be afraid of these people. They said their protection has departed from them. How in the world could you even see that? Their protection has departed? And the Lord is with us? Don't be afraid? Do you see the contrast? It's a huge contrast. So here's the contrast. Same land. And you got one group of people said, we can do this, let's go now. It's a good land. No reason to be afraid. The Lord is with us. You know the other group didn't even mention the Lord. So here's what they said. This is we can't versus we can. We're weaker versus piece of cake. We'll eat these guys alive. We look small versus their protection has departed. No mention of God. The Lord is with us. What made the difference? You say, well, you know, Joshua and Caleb just had a strong personality. I don't believe it had anything to do with a strong personality. I believe it had to do everything with what they saw on the inside. And I'm going to give you that in just a second. Life wasn't too, the, 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 the challenge of the land wasn't too big for them. Now this is where, this is where guys, I, I, as, as I talk to people, you run across people who face challenges and some people face challenges and they're like, we can do this. God's going to help us. We can do this. Amen. And some people face challenges and you can tell every, that life is too big. Their whole perspective of life is life 
is bigger than me. The challenges of life are bigger than me. The problems I face are bigger than me. And if that's you, I understand. But it makes life on the basis of simply trying to survive. And I believe God has something better for us than simply trying to survive. Amen. That we get to the place, and this is why I've always loved that story, that we get to the place where we begin to say, you know what? Life isn't bigger. I don't have to be afraid of taking risks. I don't have to be afraid of challenges. You say, well, why are you going through this? Because wherever you are in life, you've got to handle it. You're a student. You've got to, to handle getting out of school. You've got to handle, you handle what, what's the career? What's the next thing I'm going to do? Where am I going to go? You want to be able to face that with like, I believe, I believe there's good things for me. Amen. I believe God's got good things for me. Not, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And here's the deal, guys. We got so much negative stuff out there. So much negative stuff out there. The world we live in is negative. It's constantly telling us what we're not, what we can't do, what's impossible. And we have to be the ones who begin to rise up and say, no, you know what? I see something different for me. I see a future for me that looks good. I see a future for my family that looks good. I see my marriage making it, not failing. When Joy and I got married, um, we had two visions. Joy had grown up in a home where divorce had been common and where men were unfaithful. And when she came into marriage, it was, it was really with a wondering if this is even going to work. Men are just, man, you know, men, you can't trust them. I came from a different perspective. I came from a family who worked things out. And my parents, they argued, but they stayed married. They were married for 64 years. And so when I came in, the, these are two different visions of marriage. Does this make sense? And so when, when Joy came into the marriage, she didn't trust me. Now you say, well, I wouldn't trust you either. Now hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. I gave her no reason to not trust me. I gave her none. I was faithful. I never, I, I've never been, when I got married, I became a one-woman man. Didn't talk about women, didn't chase women, didn't, didn't compare women to my wife, didn't look at them and go, whoa, what a babe. I did not do that. <laughs> so I gave Joy no reason to, I, I, I was faithful. I, like I said, I got married I'm married. I'm in. We, we, ain't nobody else. I've been a one-woman man for a long time. Plan to end that way. That's how it works. Amen. And so, here's the deal. But she believed that all men were bad. You couldn't trust men. So did I do anything to cause her to not trust me? No. Outside of just being a male. No. But her vision of marriage and men was it, a lot of times it doesn't work and men you can't trust. Something had to change because I could not convince her. I could not convince her to trust me. I could, keep, I could keep trying. I could keep showing. Something had to change. Thank God she was able 
to pray and she was able to make a connection that God would never leave her and, or forsake her. And so when this relationship became stronger, she stopped putting pressure on this relationship and the marriage got stronger. Does that make sense at all? Can you see oftentimes where a lot of times couples come together and we are the product of how we were raised, we are the product of our background. And a lot of times you've got people who are insanely jealous and there's no reason to be insanely jealous, but maybe there's something in their background and your vision of things has to change. Forty years after, jo after Caleb and Joshua, 40 years later, because everyone over 20 died off in the wilderness. Forty years later, Caleb and Joshua are talking. And it's time for Caleb to go in and get his inheritance. He's, he's in his 80s now. Brother's, brother's pretty spunky for 80s. And he begins to talk to, to Joshua, and this is what he says. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to, from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. I brought back word as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Right here is you, is you see the difference here in Caleb's vision and everybody else. Everybody else brought back a vision of, we saw these guys, man, they're huge, man. We saw, they're huge, they're warlike, they got big walled cities. It's just, this, this is impossible. The, we, we can't do it. They're mean looking. We saw them, they were looking at us, man. They all looked like a bunch of renegade bikers who were bigger than we are. And they looked at us and we looked like grasshoppers. And, and, and that's, how we, that's how it is. And they brought back what they saw. And Caleb said, he saw the big guys. He saw the walled cities. But he had something different on the inside. On the inside, he had what God said. And God said, I've given you this land. And Caleb said, we can overcome this. He had something different in his heart. What makes the difference in life? Is it necessarily all the circumstances that we deal with? It's so easy to look at everybody else's life and go, they must have it easy. You can look at Joy and I and go, oh, I bet it's just perfect being married to them. I bet they wake up in the morning and angel choirs are outside their bedroom singing hallelujah. They're up. The, the dog is worshiping the Lord. Everybody's worshiping the Lord. Everybody's in this. And you don't realize that we used to fight like cats and dogs. We used to think two times a, a day uh, having a, just a horrible argument and yelling and screaming. If we only did it twice a day, we thought that was a good day. Say, well, what changed? God just looked down and said, bless their hearts. <laughs> and they're trying so hard. I, I'm trying so hard. Let me just do something here. Poof. A poof, a God poof. And we wake up the next day and go, oh my gosh, I love you. And I love you. What do we ever fight about? I have no idea. Life is wonderful. No, we got three kids. You got kids, your life isn't normal. Life can be crazy, but it's how you see it. It's how you see it. It's what's in your heart, and that's the good news. Have you ever seen someone, and, and I'm, 
not, I'm not picking on ladies, but I'm going to pick on. Have you ever seen a, a, a girl who's just as pretty and as sweet as she can be and just picks the worst guys in the world? Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> I don't need any of you nudging anybody. Or, 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 just straight ahead. But I, because it can be very serious, especially some of these women who pick abusive men. And they pick abusive men. You're like, why, darling, why in the world are you picking an abusive man? What, what, what can you do? Because you don't have something different in your heart. You think that's what you deserve. <laughs> Hoping that was a revelation laugh. Ah! I, 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 this, this is so key. This is so key because in life we all deal with stuff. And we're thinking, well, God just loves some people more and, and God just does the things for other people more. No, no, listen to me real, real closely. We need to change how we see God. We need to change how we see ourselves. And we need to change how those two correlate. And, and how, how you can make that work. And here's the beautiful news is it can change. See, a lot of times we're, we're a function, guys. We're a function of, our, of how we were raised. We're a function of what we've been taught. But when Caleb said, I brought back word as it was in my heart, that becomes the key right there. If we can begin to put something different on the inside, then we can begin to see something different on the outside. It doesn't start with everything out here changing. It starts with everything in here changing. Our marriage didn't change because we began to, just all of a sudden one day God gave us a God poof of anointing and we woke up and went, oh my gosh, we just sent so much love. No, that's not what happened. What happened is we began to see that we could walk in love and that we could treat one another in love and we begin to see things differently. I'm about to say, do you see it? <laughs> do, do, do you see how you see things? is going to impact how you react to things, how you see God, how you see yourself. If you see yourself as God can do wonderful things for everybody else, but he will never do wonderful things for me, then you will limit him in your life. But if you could see that God is good, and not only is he good, he's a God that is not causing you problems. He is not causing the torment in your life. He's not bringing the trouble in your life. He is your help, your survival. He's the one who saves you and brings you out and redeems you and gets you out of things. And he can do that. And when you see, and when you begin to see him that way, you begin to expect that. And when you begin to expect that and you begin to expect not to be treated like your last week's refuse and trash because you're not, because you're a son and daughter of the living God and you are made special and you are good. And when you begin to see that, you say, well, great. When can I start seeing it? Well, next week, we're going to talk about how you can begin to see it. But there's a key here. There's a key. What, what, what Caleb said, he said, I brought back word as it was in my heart. He said, and I followed God fully. He didn't follow a cloud. He didn't follow an angel. He followed what God had said. And then he began to put that in his heart. So he's looking at the, he's looking at the walled cities. He's looking at these big guys. But something on the inside of him is going, we can do this. We can do this with God's help. We can do this. With God's help, 
you can come out of whatever you're dealing in. With God's help, your marriage can be strong. With God's help, your family doesn't have to be the picture of dysfunction. With God's help, things can change. Amen. But it changes in here before it changes out there because we begin to see it differently. Will you stay with me in this? I think we can learn some great things. You're upgrading your vision. Be you bowed here for a moment. If you've never seen Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, this is a wonderful time to make that decision and take that step of faith and go, I, I believe that about him. And maybe you have known the Lord and have gotten away from him. If heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to, to come down to the front. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I do want a relationship with the Lord or I do want to come back to him. And we're going to pray with you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. That's you I'm talking to. Would you slip your hand up real quickly across this auditorium? Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. You didn't lift your hand you wanted to. You can still pray this prayer with us. Obviously, I can't see you online, but you can pray this with us. We're going to pray it together. At the church family, say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Father, for those who've stepped out of spiritual darkness into your light, for those who have come back home. Lord, we rejoice with them. And Father, thank you for your words, the entrance of your words that bring light and bring vision beyond where we are. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.